Welcome to the Modern Mommy Dog Podcast. I'm Dr. Whitney Caceres. I'm a full-time pediatrician and a full-time modern mom. I speak and write about equipping mamas to raise resilient, healthy children and to invest in their own social-emotional health along the way. Each week, we'll give you the practical tools you need to win at parenting without losing yourself. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Modern Mamas Club events. As you know, we do live monthly events that allow us to get a little bit more nitty gritty into what it means to be a centered mama and to go from that place of feeling totally conflicted all the time, really, really stuck to feeling like you are living with purpose and intention and living a life that feels fulfilled. So today we are talking about a topic that I feel like I have tons to learn about. So I'm so excited that these people are here today. We're talking about decluttering and organizing for the sake of simplicity, not for the sake of a perfectly beautiful home. And today we're talking with Shira and with Courtney. You guys introduce yourselves. Shira, why don't you start and let us know who you are, what you're about, what you do. Okay. Thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. So I'm Shira Gill. I am a mom of two. I'm based in the San Francisco Bay Area. And I've been a professional home organizer for 12 years now. So I've done one-on-one work. I'm a certified life coach. So I've also coached a lot of parents in addition to the home organizing. And I have a new book out called Minimalista that details my decluttering and organizing process. Awesome. Great. And then how about you, Courtney? Yes. So I'm Courtney Flory. I'm based in Texas. I am very passionate about helping women, especially moms, declutter their homes because as I've learned, it trickles into every area of their life. And I work with my members in the society and also through one-on-one. Great. So the question I want to start with is the why behind this, because I think it's very difficult to make a life change and to change the system in which you're living in if you don't have a really specific reason why you're doing it. So I'd love to hear from both of you, what are the benefits of decluttering your house? How does it lead to reduce stress potentially? What are the things you found in your own work that you've done with other families and then also in your own lives as you've decluttered? I guess in my own life, I've found, you know, I have a very busy brain. And so (laughs) there's so much clutter going on in my brain all the time. And just from the overstimulation and oversaturation of social media and the news and everything we have coming at us, I noticed for myself that when I had a really clean, clutter-free environment, it really helped me decompress, relax, focus, be more productive, be more present. And with my clients, I've seen the same, but I've also seen kind of other benefits like reducing interpersonal issues between, you know, spouses or fighting with your kids. Friction, you know, can come up very easily when people feel stressed out at home. And so I've seen That I've also seen in terms of the cost of clutter, in addition to, you know, stress between you and your family members, I've also seen it weigh people down where they just feel paralyzed in terms of even something as simple as like 
hosting friends or family. I've had many clients that feel like, I don't want to host the play date because I'm ashamed of my home, or I don't want to date because I don't want to have someone come over. So I've seen a lot of like shame, guilt, fear, paralysis associated with clutter. And then of course, the converse when people have kind of cleared the clutter, more joy, more freedom, more spaciousness. Yeah, I think that's all so true and true in my own life. And I think like, I love how you named the part about shame, about the play dates and all that, because I think that is so real. If you have a cluttered home or a home that feels like it's not presentable, you feel like that's a reflection of you. And so you don't, you feel like guilty or shameful if people are coming over to your home. How about you, Courtney? What have been some of the big struggles that you feel like people have, have been able to work through as they've gotten more decluttered? Something I'm seeing too is for those of us who work from home, it can be really hindering to feel creative, to feel productive, to feel like you're even getting work done when all you can see around you is just a mess, you know, or that nagging reminder, oh, I need to do the dishes or I need to clean this or I need to do that when you already have, you know, probably a long to-do list in front of you. And so something I've noticed in my own life is I need a clear workspace to be able to feel like I can work and be creative and get things done. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the other thing I'll say with a neurodivergent kiddo in my house is that for her, I just see her level of calm increase exponentially when things are kind of in order in our home. They don't have to be perfectly clean, but just when kind of everything is in its place and there's just less distraction, visual distraction, then we tend to have better behaviors when she's not feeling kind of scattered visually. Yeah. I think clutter is like, it's overstimulating, especially for kids. And I think, I think of clutter as distraction. So Mm -hmm. if you have extra distraction, you're just going to feel more tense, more anxious. And if that physical distraction is eliminated, there's just a sense of breathing room that's kind of palpable for the whole family. I feel like most women, most moms who are coming to this are like, yes, I get it as a concept. I want it. I know. But then how do I even start? And the first thing that comes to my mind, and I'm going to be totally transparent. The thing that I sometimes find myself doing is like I'll overbuy like too many things. And then I find myself just with a trash bag, like every once in a while, just like culling and like taking stuff out to Goodwill, you know, or just like to the trash. But I know there's got to be a better way for moms to declutter their space. So Courtney, take us to the very beginning. Like if you were first meeting with a client or someone in your membership space, what are the first steps they need to take to get on this journey? So something I advise every single one of them, whether they've decluttered before, whether they're brand new, is to start small. As we've all said, it's overstimulating. It's overwhelming. It can feel incredibly daunting, especially as a mom who, you know, I get it. You're busy and you have a lot in your plate. It can feel like there's so much to do, but where the heck do I even start? Mm -hmm. So I always tell them, start with just 15 minutes, like set a timer, dig in, turn some music on, maybe listen to a podcast and start with a space where you're not going to have to make tough decisions. Like start with something that feels a little bit easier. You know, maybe you're not going to dive into sentimental items right away, but you can work and build that momentum towards that. So maybe you start with like one junk drawer 
or maybe you do your fridge. I mean, it's likely that you're not going to be emotionally attached to the things in your fridge. So maybe you start there and then you can work up towards the things that feel a little bit trickier. Those areas, I agree, right? Like easier to tackle because they don't have that emotional attachment to them. You're not having to like choose joy, like in the like Marie Kondo, you're like, you know, I don't know. I'm sure lots of people have watched that show, right? Where it's like <laughs> yeah. every single item you need to like spend a moment, like choose joy over it. Like, oh my gosh, I don't know. I have a lot of items. That's going to take a long time. So <laughs> moving beyond the bathrooms and moving beyond the kitchen, Shira, what's your next step that you take? And I want to point this out. I'm looking at your like space behind you. Obviously it's gorgeous. Like I know a lot of women too are probably thinking, I still want to maintain some sense of my style. I want to still maintain like special trinkets or special things that have meaning to me. So how do you strike that balance? And where do you go after you've done kind of the initial take out all the stuff that's expired in your bathroom or clean out your fridge? I have kind of a simple five-step process I use for any space. And The very first step before I even start editing or organizing is just clarifying, what do I want? So my step one is is always about getting down to like, what do you want to change in your life? And that goes back to maybe your motivation is, I want to be able to host friends and family with ease or... Mm -hmm. I just want to find things easier, but really starting with your why I think is the most important step. And then once you get in there, then, you know, the next step is editing, as you talked about kind of clearing the clutter. And I a hundred percent agree, like the junk drawer, the fridge, the sock drawer, like those are the best places to start when you're feeling overwhelmed. And then my next step in the process is organizing just like with like, and deciding how often you use something. So I do like with like, and then within that, you know, maybe you have all your t-shirts together, but then you realize, well, half of them are just sentimental from a race that I've run and half of them I want to wear. So they don't make sense together. So separating out the things that you own so that they're super easy and intuitive. You can grab the things that you need when you need them and separate out things that are maybe seasonal or occasional, or you don't really need access to. So you're doing like with like, you're editing all the easy stuff first. You're trying to think about like, what is the goal of this? So let me think about like for clothes, for example, what do you do in a person's closet when they're thinking like, I mean, I want to be able to go out on like nice fancy dates with my husband, but all the things that I'm purchasing, like that actually doesn't fit into my normal lifestyle. So how do you help someone create a wardrobe that's going to work for them to actually have the clothes they need to wear to their actual life. And then also be able to have that why in the back of their head of maybe like their more ideal life still, still be kind of held in esteem. I think it's important to, yes, have the things that you're going to wear every day, those essentials, but then, you know, also have those fun pieces too. And at the end of the day, the goal of simplicity, right? We want our lives to be easier. We want to have fewer things because I mean, how often do we look in our closet full of stuff and feel like I have nothing to wear because we're so overwhelmed by how many choices we have. So I think the ultimate goal is just to eliminate the amount of choices so that we can prevent that overwhelm and truly own the things that we love to wear. So whether that's three dresses, five, I mean, it's not about the number, but I think it's more so about knowing like 
you wear the clothes that you have and mm-hmm. you feel good in them. You love them. And the things that aren't, you know, maybe they don't fit you right now, or they're not serving you in this current season. Those can be passed on to somebody who can enjoy them. Absolutely. Okay. How about people go through this, this, this decluttering, they get their house, they get everything kind of in order. How do people keep from recluttering their houses or just adding to it again and again and again. Like I was talking about in my own life, like this, like, you know, you get the garbage bags out and then you like rebuy and then you get the garbage bags out and rebuy. I would say that was me like five, 10 years ago. I don't do it now, but it was me. (laughs) Yeah. I think there's a few things. So one, you know, once you've kind of slogged through your home and you've really gotten it to a place that does feel good, what my clients tell me is that like that in itself is so motivating mm-hmm. to that way because it does feel so good and so impactful that people kind of remember like, oh, it used to be a real pain when there were piles <laughs> everywhere. I don't want the piles. And so I think the little daily maintenance every day goes a long way. I also practice the one in one out rule. So, you know, I like all the pretty things and I like shopping and getting new things, but I do force myself. I live in a smaller home too. So we're kind of space challenged. So if I say want to buy a new pair of shoes that I'm excited about, I do force myself to find a similar pair to donate. And so there's always this kind of equilibrium of like, if something new is coming in, something's going out. And I have my kids do that as well. So when they see something that they like, a new game or a new hoodie or a new pair of shoes, it's always like a swap out. So yes, I would love to buy you that new thing. Which old thing do you want to donate? And then the one other thing for people who really just feel like they're drowning, so many of my clients just feel like I can barely keep my head above water, is just to try a purchase pause. So I've done that even just for a month, like saying, I'm not going to buy anything other than, you know, groceries and Mm -hmm. household essentials and just start paying attention to that impulse to buy, that impulse to bring new things in and kind of observe what are my triggers? You know, like, mm-hmm. is it that I'm sad or I'm lonely or I'm bored? And how else can I fill that other than shopping? Yeah. Okay. Let's get woo woo for a second because I actually think that is the heart of this entire thing, right? I am always challenging my clients and the women that I work with to think about as they're making a decision really going inward for a second. And of course, you're not going to make this on like, are you going to buy oatmeal today? Or like, you know, you're going to buy like French bread for breakfast. Like that's not the point. But on these things where you're like, I have this impulse to buy this. I have this impulse to plan this vacation. I have this impulse to join another committee at work, whatever it is that you stop to think about what is it that I'm hoping to achieve by doing this? What is the feeling that I'm trying to get to, right? Is it a feeling of freedom? Is it a feeling of beauty? Is it a feeling of like, I'm the richest person in the world and I can buy whatever I want? Is it a feeling of relieving depression or anxiety? Like, what is the thing that I'm hoping to get out of it? And is it tied to something that's emotional, kind of like emotional eating, right? And then if it's not, and it's just about like, I love that shirt and it's time for a new one. And I have a stained one where like the pits are stained out in my closet. And I need to replace it. Then like amazing, buy the new shirt, right? But yeah. if it's to fill a deep emotional void, it's unfortunately only going to make it worse to buy more stuff. A hundred percent. My, I have a friend who's a life coach who has this kind of gut check. Is it numbing or is it nourishing? 
that mm-hmm. I always think it's helpful. It's helpful for me with ice cream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, stop and think about like, is this something that feels like good self-care and a way of being kind to myself? Or am I just trying to kind of buffer or numb out or not feel something? And that can be helpful too with the shopping triggers. Cause so many of us, myself included, I find myself, you know, if I'm feeling down, kind of drifting to the online shopping. And and then I have to catch myself, like, what are you really doing here? What are you wanting? You know how, like, in high school, you could join different clubs, depending on your interests or things people were into? I wasn't really that much of a club person when I was younger, but these days, it feels like having a tribe of other working moms around me is so, so valuable. And it's hard to do in real life because we're all scattered and busy and have our separate lives. We have designed the Modern Mamas Club to be that club, that tribe, that support network for you. And we didn't want it just to be about what are the ways we can help you to be an awesome professional or what are the ways we can help you to be an awesome mom, but also what are the ways we can help you to remember who you are as an individual person? Voila, welcome. The Modern Mamas Club is on the scene. It's a community of mamas to support you, 24 access to our video library, live events, workshops, hangouts, relatable mom rooms and discussions, and a resource library and recommendations from yours truly, Dr. Whitney. Go check it out at modernmommydoc.com. Okay, so two big areas I want to hone in on. One is on the closet because we're already kind of there talking about clothing and shopping. And then one is on toys and kids stuff. So Courtney, talk to me about your guidance for moms on organizing kids stuff, on making it decluttered, on where to put it, how to organize it. What do you tell people to do? Yeah. So last month in my membership, we talked about toys gearing up for Christmas because I know Mm -hmm. so many of moms are like, we have so many toys and I know that we're going to have a million more after Christmas, you know, with generous family members and all of that. So once again, just like how we feel super overwhelmed when we have too many choices, kids do too. And there's a study done where kids went into a room with four toys and then they went into a room with 16 and it the study showed that they played for longer periods of time in that room with only four toys because mm-hmm. they didn't have so many options to choose from and they could play with exactly what was right in front of them. You know, they had the mental capacity to be more creative and it's really eye-opening, I think, for a lot of us who feel like more is better. You know, the more toys they have, the longer they're going to play or, you know, the more fun they're going to have, but it really can be a lot for them. And so, The first step is for moms to identify what are the toys that my kids are currently playing with right now. Now, if you're home often, or even if you just take note over the course of maybe a week, I'm sure you could pinpoint, okay, they're, you know, this one is their favorite. They're always picking up this one and then go into, okay, then what's next? What are the things that, gosh, I mean, they haven't played with this in months. Mm -hmm. And something that quite a few of my members have done is a toy rotation. 
And they like to do this so that they're not constantly feeling the urge to buy new toys. But when they rotate maybe two or three different sets, they can bring out the toys a month later and they feel brand new and they can still play with them without having to go and purchase more. Okay. So you have less toys, they're there. And then how do you like to have people organize them? Clear bins so that people can see them? hidden away with labels? What tends to be the most effective for parents? Or is it just a personal choice? That's a good question because I don't focus so much on organization. So my answer would be whatever works for you. Some people like baskets, some people like the bin so they can see it. I'm all about just making it realistic for the space that they have. But I do definitely recommend having categories so that both the parents and the kids know like, okay, when I'm done playing with the Barbies, they're going to go here versus I don't know where they go. And so they just end up on the floor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've done a lot of those bins. They're like cardboard, but then they're covered in fabric from Target. And they're like, a I get them in like a cream ivory color. And I have to replace them every year or so, but they're really cheap because I have to replace them because they will bend like if the kids mess with them or sit on them or make rocket ships out of them or whatever. But but I use those because then when I'm looking at my bookshelf, it's like a clean white slate pretty much as I'm looking at it once I've organized it. So to my eye, if I ever have to use that as a double space for an office, I do that versus the clear because it makes it easier. My kids are old enough to read though. So I had them create little labels for me and then they put them on. So that way they were part of the process. I feel like that's an additional thing as a pediatrician, like my pediatrician head on for a second, but having your kids be part of the organizing process will make it so that it's more successful. My oldest daughter always gets really mad at me when I like quote unquote organize her stuff by like throwing it into boxes. <laughs> She's like, no, it doesn't go that way. So I definitely told her, Hey, listen, if you're going to be the one that needs it to be organized in a certain way, that means you have to be the one that picks it up. You have to decide how it's going to go. Here's a label maker. Here's a little bins. Go for it, sweetie. Yeah. I like thinking about it. Like your job as a parent is to define the boundaries and the quantity, but the kids get to decide the contents. So mm-hmm. I'll typically, I agree. Like I love a big open bin or basket that you actually enjoy the decor. So I'm kind of mm-hmm anti the plastic tubs that you don't Mm -hmm. actually want to stare at in your living room, maybe. But I've also found having lids, it just makes it harder for kids to clean up at the end of the day. So I think anything that's just a big open vessel will make everybody's life easier. But I'm a big fan of, as Courtney said, just giving them like five categories, say, and letting them pick within that boundary. Like, all right, we've got five baskets. You get to decide what are the five things you're the most into. Maybe it's balls, you know, dolls, play kitchen. You get to decide. And then the rest you can either donate or make into kind of a lending toy library so you can rotate out. As Courtney mentioned, I love that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Good. And I think also this comes down to when you purchase for your kids, right? Like you do have some choice as a parent, remember that as to what you purchase for your children. Like for example, I love a good Disney doll, but I am not into my kids wearing Disney like outfits, you know, like to school and we'll buy like a pajama set. That's a 
Ariel deal, but like for them to go to school, I wanted to be on Disney. And that's just me. There's nothing wrong with Disney. If y'all are Disney fans, amazing. I love Disney, but it's just that like for me with my aesthetic, I'm like, oh man, my hard earned money. So I basically have set boundaries to say like, oh no, remember that's like the sleepwear is the Disney stuff. Your toys can be Disney, but then we're going to do like no labels. It could be Disney. Like I, I'm not trying to pick on Disney, but like it, I just do like no labels, no characters, no anything for clothes that they wear outside of the house. And so just a reminder as a parent, just like you are responsible for choosing the foods that you provide your child. And then your child is responsible for picking which of those foods they're going to eat or how much they're going to eat. You also get the responsibility of deciding what toys, what clothes, what things in your house you're okay with having for your kid. All right. So Shira, talk with me about closets. And I know people have different like philosophies about this and there's probably no wrong answer or right answer, mm-hmm. but tell me how you tend to organize clothes. I know you said like with like, but you tend to do by color, by item type. How do you usually do that in a closet? Yeah. So I, I mean, it's funny. I share a three foot by six foot closet with my husband <laughs> and basically our entire wardrobes need to fit in that closet other than like socks and underwear and pajamas that go in a dresser. And so we've divided. So for people that do have to share, I would say I always advocate for like making a clean line down the middle so that everyone can have their side and kind of their own domain. And so, you know, my slice of the closet is front and center. My husband's is kind of tucked in the back. And within that, I like to set up all of the things that I wear kind of daily uniform clothes. So most people do tend to have some sort of a daily uniform, whether that's for work or being a stay-at-home mom, the kind of your go-to items. I always like to set those up front and center in the prime real estate areas of your closet. So for me, I like my uniform is jeans and a blouse. So I basically have stacks of jeans organized by color. So it's like light denim, dark denim. And Mm -hmm. then right below that, I have all of my blouses from light to dark. I don't have hard and fast rules about like the rainbow order. I think it really is like whatever makes you happy in your closet. Some people Mm -hmm. delight in seeing, you know, the rainbow. Other people really feel like, no, I just want everything grouped by type. So if I'm trying to find a tank top, I can find a tank top. I don't want to just look by black, white, rainbow. But my, I guess, broad general rule is organized by clothing type and within that by color. So you could have, say, all of your tank tops and within that group, light to dark, and then all of your short sleeve blouses, and then your long sleeve blouses, and then your dresses. So I like to group by type and just make sure that those staples that you wear all the time are in the easiest, most accessible parts of your closet. I see a lot of the time people who have like the random costumes or the snow boots they pull out once a year, like front and center in their closet, and then they have to kind of navigate through. So Mm -hmm. I think do yourself a favor, even if you just spend 15 minutes, pluck out all of the things that are out of season or, you know, super formal. Like I'm just going to wear this to a black tie wedding and I don't Mm -hmm. have one of those coming up. And I would say either put those in the far back recesses of your closet, or if you have a different storage closet, or like a garment rack in another storage space in your house, just kind of get it out of the way so that it's super easy to get dressed. 
Yep. No, I love that. And we've had Toy Sweetie. If you guys go back to one of our earliest episodes, we had her on talking about basically how to pick a wardrobe that actually fits with your individual style and how to kind of minimize in terms of that. So that then when you get to doing the organization, you're not feeling overwhelmed by like, oh, here's this thing that I might wear if I went on a cruise one day or like to a cabana party, you know, like (laughs) you'd feel like you had all your things that you actually will wear. Like you said, kind of front and center, no matter, no matter how big your closet is. I have a very small closet too. So everything that I actually wear has to be in a very, very small space. So Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Courtney, talk to me about this. I know a lot of moms feel like they're kind of, the only person in their house who is actually interested in decluttering and minimalizing and streamlining and that they're kind of the sheep alt parent. Anyway, we have lots of statistics to support that and that getting the kids on board. We talked about that in terms of the toys, but how do we also encourage our partners or maybe older kids to get involved with keeping, maintaining a decluttered and organized home? Ultimately, it starts with us, right? We can do, you know, all the work that we want, or, you know, we can nag our kids as many times as we want our husbands, right? Pick up your stuff. But we have to be leading by example and setting that example for them so that they see what we're doing and they see why it's important. Because a lot of the times it just feels like another chore. Like, why would I want to do that? But when we can explain the benefit behind it, whether it's, you know, to our older kids who will understand it more or to our husband, like this is going to alleviate a lot of stress. This is going to create calm. You know, this is going to make our lives easier. We all want to do this. And just explaining the why and making it fun, like making it something enjoyable that they want to be a part of and kind of shifting that mindset from, like I said, it just feeling like, why would I want to do this? Another thing is taking control of your own things. Because at the end of the day, we can only control, you know, our things. We, we're not going to want to, you know, go and feel like we're betraying our kids, right? By getting rid of stuff without them asking or, you know, get her without asking them or, you know, going through our husband's things without him being there. So we want to take control of what we own because they're watching, right? They see what we're doing and they're going to see how it's affecting us when we start feeling freer, you know, when we start having more time because we aren't spending all of that time cleaning up. And I think as a result, it, it does take time. It's not going to happen overnight, which I know is frustrating for a lot of people, you know, cause they'll try it for a day and they're like, well, nothing changed, but it's something that you want to be consistent in and keep going because I've seen in so many lives of these women that I've worked with that when they're consistent about creating these habits, you know, okay, when we're done picking up or when we're done playing, we're going to pick up the toys and put them away. And when they're consistent about building that over time, their kids typically come on board and they're happy to help and participate. And I've seen some big changes in, in husbands too, which has been awesome for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shira, what do you think? I, I couldn't agree more about like, you've got to do the work first. I think so many of my clients will nag, you know, a spouse or a kid. And I'll always say like, well, wait, before we talk about them and their stuff, have you thoroughly edited and organized everything you own, you know, from Mm -hmm. sentimental stuff to stuff from childhood to just your clothes or your Mm -hmm. office supplies. So I think, yes, walking the walk and then also kind of trying to get a shared family vision of something positive. So I think 
it often comes across as so negative, the like clean up your room or you have too many things. Mm. So I think kind of trying to flip it into like, I talk to my kids a lot and ask them, what do you want more of? What are you excited about? And, you know, they'll Mm -hmm. say, for example, like I want to have a sleepover with three of my friends. Okay, great. So to have a sleepover, we've got to have space on the floor and make it comfy for them. And so let's get your room in order so we can have that sleepover. So finding something that they are really motivated by and linking it to decluttering can be helpful. And then also just in terms of systems, because so much of my work is about home organizing, making it as simple and intuitive as possible. Like Mm -hmm. I had a client once whose husband just always dumped his clothes in this one corner in their bedroom and it drove her crazy. And so I said, well, that habit seems to be like really hard for him to break. (laughs) So let's put a pretty basket there. And now he can still dump his stuff in the corner, but now you're looking at a pretty basket. So sometimes there are like little workarounds of seeing like, oh, okay. Like there isn't a system. There needs to be something set up. Like If, you know, you notice your kids say you're dropping art all over the house. Well, is there a place for their art to go in the house that's easy and intuitive Mm -hmm. for them? So I always say, like, be curious about your clutter instead of just angry at it and Mm -hmm. look at it kind of with that lens of, well, A, do we need it? But if we do need it, does it have a place to go? And is that place super easy for the people in my family to find and use? Yep. No. And I think I just was reading something the other day about kind of having this in your mind, not be me versus my family, but instead being me plus my family. What conversation do I need to have with my other family members and probably starting with my partner, if I have one, about what is our overall goal? You know, at Modern Mamas probably talk a lot about a centered vision for your own life. What are the things that matter most to you? What are your center points? But as a family, you can also have shared values and goals. And I know my family, we want more calm. We want more time to be able to do the things that are fun and that are going to build memories for us. We want less time cleaning up. So I think if you come to a place of dissonance with your partner, the first place to start, especially if they're like, ah, now I'm not going to do that or don't throw things out or whatever, is to be like, hey, the reason why I want to do this is because it's going to allow us to have X. And I think that's very, very different. And then maybe you can set up some limits or some guidelines of, I promise I won't throw away your sentimental items. Will you show me what things are sentimental so we can go through them together and I make sure we keep them in a safe place, right? So that everyone feels like they're valued and that the things that they really care about don't get misplaced or thrown out or don't have don't have that same value. Yeah, 100%. And I think also asking your family members to define their own boundaries. Like if somebody has a collection and it's taking up the whole house, like actually asking them like, okay, if I got you a pretty bin or a basket for this collection, like how many do you think is reasonable to store? Right. <laughs> sometimes, like People are hard pressed to say like 25 bins. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, you know, I did that once with my husband had like this endless CD collection and we didn't even have a CD player. And I was like, how many books of CDs do you think it's reasonable to keep in our house? And he said three, but he had like 25. So then he had come up with his own answer instead of me. Right. 
nagging and it kind of helped him to be like, ah, this was my idea. <laughs> exactly. So in medicine, we call that, in pediatrics, we call that motivational interviewing, right? Like <laughs> leading people to, again, to something that's going to be mutually beneficial for, for all of you. So I want to, before we end, give you both a chance for people to find out more because we're talking in pretty broad strokes about how to do all of this. But I know that each of you has a method and or does individual coaching to be able to really, really lead people on a personal journey toward less clutter, more simplicity. So Courtney, let's start with you. Can you tell folks where to find you in the world and how they can connect with you outside of our resource center? Where we're going to put both of your information in there so people can find you. Yes. So you can find me on Instagram. I hang out there all the time um, at Declutter and Dwell. And beyond that, I have a membership community called the Simplicity Society. And this is designed for the busy, overwhelmed mom who is like, I want to declutter, but I don't know where to start. It feels kind of lonely. And I want to do this with community. Like I want to make it fun. I want to meet other friends along the way. And I want to enjoy the process because it is a process of decluttering my home and and simplifying my life. So that is called the Simplicity Society. And you can find all of those resources at the link in my bio on Instagram. Awesome. And Shira, how about you? Likewise, you can find me on Instagram at Shira Gill or my website, shiragill.com. I have makeover programs, everything from closet makeover, kitchen makeover, a workspace makeover, a get organized masterclass. And I have a new book out. So that really contains my entire process and toolkit that is a values-based approach to organizing your home. And I think kind of a refreshing take on approachable minimalism. So that book is called Minimalista. It's out with Penguin Random House and you can get it wherever books are sold. Awesome. Thank you both so much for being here today. And you guys will see you next month for another live event. Hey mama, if you want more of the Modern Mommy Doc podcast, make sure that you click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd also be so honored if you shared with your friends and on social media with the hashtag Modern Mommy Doc. If you share about something that inspired you or that you learned from the podcast, we'll be sure to share it on our social media as well. Thanks for listening.